Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Firm. You have myself, Naftej. And Z. Just a quick note. Today's podcast format will be a little bit different from the usual. We were given the opportunity to interview the CEO of Grab, Anthony Tan, at his headquarters in Singapore. However, we could not record the actual interview due to like long approval and review processes of the of the audio that would be needed for us to upload on Spotify. So in today's episode, we will just be discussing between ourselves the questions we asked him, some of the insights we gained from our questions with him and then just the general experience of how I was interviewing him. So we actually decided to do the interview straight after school. So I just came to the um, grab headquarters in my school uniform, but Z had some extracurriculars that he actually had to take care of beforehand. I tried a badminton game. That was my final championship game. But, you know, of course, I didn't have to show up. And, yeah. So we should all be thanking Z for, for skipping his badminton match. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome, guys. But anyways. Yeah, so we we came to the headquarters. It was, it was actually super nice. Like, it was really nice location. It, it looked really cool. And we were greeted by one of Mr. Tan's employees. I, I believe she was the lady who actually helped set up everything. So huge thanks to her. She really made, she basically made it all happen. Um, but yeah, she just took us through a little bit of like the, why the format is, why it is, why we can't, you know, interview him, whatever, why we, why we can't no, record, why we can't, why we can't record, no, him. Why we record him and yeah. yeah, but then she took us up to the, second that, the second floor, like the actual headquarters. Yeah. We got brought up to the second floor cafe to just chill out for a bit while we wait for Anthony Tan as he's a CEO and he's a, like a hectic schedule. So yeah. Um, Something that was really interesting while I was like going up to the second floor was like, there's these cart. Did you see these like cartoons where like, I guess neon lights, figures or emojis on the like side of the wall? Yeah, like these little rainbow emojis just yeah. just glowing up the escalators. I, I kind of like that. <laughs> it gave the like place a bit of like, I guess aesthetics or like, a sense of modern modern styled or fun. Yeah, the, actually, the whole grab headquarters was like re- was really modern and like looked kind of fun, and it was like very comfortable ambiance. Like the couches were really nice. Like honestly, they were like one of the nicest, some of the nicest couches ever, and like the colors were actually like very calming. And so I think it was it was a very cool office to actually be in. Yeah, and then a couple of minutes later, uh, you know, we sat down, we chilled out at the cafe. It was a nice place, and. We had a cup of water and me and Naf just sat down and we're like, you know what? What are we going to, since we can't record, what are we going to like do? Like we can't record this interview. So what are we going to do? So we kind of formulate this plan where someone was going to make a transcript through Google Docs, a text to uh, voice to text. And then someone else would like write down everything that Mr. Tan would be saying to all the questions we ask just to help us cover all our bases, you know, if someone misses out on some information and why not just, yeah, make sure that we have a very cohesive understanding of what Mr. Tan said after we leave because obviously we can't record it so we can't rehear it. Yeah. Yeah. And then 10 minutes later, Anthony Tan pulled up, you know, it was a good time. He greeted us and greeted his like colleagues first and he gave us a quick rundown of his company and he sat us down. But there's like, there's one thing I want to point out. The office was Bro, it was nice. It was nice. Again, once again, the couches were amazing. And he had a bunch of like little gadgets in his around his office, a standing desk. And it just gave the whole thing like a modern vibe. I don't know. Like to me, it felt very, I don't know, warm and comfortable. So like, I like that part. I like that. 
anyways yeah he was actually he was super he was super nice he showed us some love about like about our project and was like yeah it's and like told us it was like kind of cool what we're doing and that it's, it's good and we should keep it up so like that was really motivating and a good way for us to like you know start get, the get it, started the with the podcast yeah so the first question we asked him was basically just about the founding of Grab, the idea behind it. And I was actually quite uh, interested in, in his response. So he gave us a little bit of his background, talking about how he met a friend in Harvard and how together they created this business. And he talked about a little bit about his thinking process when he was creating his business. And it was like, what is one problem that, that we can solve that has an economic impact? And w- what clicked with Mr. Tan was the the horror stories that you heard back home in Malaysia about the the issues regarding safety for women within the public transport system and it was that issue that made him think about starting grab and and you know what was like interesting as you know personally from Malaysia i felt like this hit home as like you know as as a child i heard hell, hella stories about you know safety issues regarding women in taxis where they would either get robbed or or even kidnapped, or even sometimes killed. So, like, you know, it's just nice to hear that someone was looking out for this problem and, like, trying to resolve this issue. Yeah, so that's basically what Grab's purpose was initially, which was to provide safe transportation for everybody, especially women, in these relatively dangerous areas slash dangerous transport systems. So I, that was quite a big, a very eye-opening thing to hear because on the surface, I just think Grab is, like, you know... Uh, just, just, a, a, just, a little, just a company that's trying to make money off of you know taxis or like yeah. transportation services but knowing that yeah. it came from a very noble source or a noble cause was, it was very very eye-opening so after talking about why grab was founded or the idea behind it we we went a little bit into maybe more recent and why grab expanded into singapore and he also gave some um, good insights about that he talked about how he had to first raise capital for raise capital to expand to Singapore, and he did it through the help of a very popular and well-known um, Malaysian investment group known as Temasek. And he's super grateful when talking about them and talking about how he they basically helped his entire expansion. Yeah, and like I I think I remember them mentioning about how Temasek really helped Anthony Tan. You know, they let them use his their phone line. They let them use their office space to do uh, logistics and other operations of the company as well just basically allow anthony tan to start off his company in singapore yeah and the actual reason why he expanded into singapore was to improve um grab's engineering capabilities so essentially widening their talent pool and and trying to get some more talent from singapore which brings us to the next question where we go further into the development of grab and why they turned it into a super app yeah so anthony tan actually talked about um their reasoning for going back into into a super app back to his his thinking process about about creating business ideas which is going back to solving real world problems so when developing grab after tackling the safety issue about transportation he then wanted to tackle driver safety and then he wanted to tackle a bigger problem about driver earning potential essentially he wanted to find a way to add more income to drivers and create multi-earning opportunities for drivers on the grab app and, and the way he did that was essentially the food app grab food was a way for drivers to earn money during dead hours where people weren't really you know using grab to go from one place to another but instead using grab to order food which was another opportunity for drivers to make more money and this was was done by creating two separate apps initially yeah but like i i think they couldn't really handle the 
two apps operating at once yeah like the logistics of it were a bit messy the costs were very yeah. high so going to the reason why they actually made a super app is logistical and operational issues that arise from having two different platforms for different services it, ju it just wasn't efficient so they merged it into one app which, which is great for grab as well because obviously it made it more efficient and cut costs but it was also incredible for consumers and very easy for consumers to use yeah because i think um all the lifestyle apps were on one one platform such as grab mart grab food and grab transportation which were all on one and other other features but now that all the lifestyle things that consumer needed they were all in one app in one location where they're more easily accessible it just made the entire consumer experience very efficient yeah so that was also the other reason for creating the super app just to provide more services on one app to just appeal to a wider need from consumers so like, that's why they also added financial services and obviously the things that z previously said like grab mart and whatnot and from then we asked him about furthermore into the development of grab and how you know grab grew in a in a tough situation so we went into covid how grab became so successful in yeah. during covid going back to super app which is essentially the reason why they're able to grow during covid while their competitors may not have been able to grow as much was although driving went down during covid you know people weren't moving around too much but f ordering food went up so that grab food app or that well that super app was now receiving more revenue through their ordering food so it was it was this portfolio of services that essentially was the main reason why grab was able to stay prevalent stay successful during covid times as well yeah as we all know um businesses were struggling uh during covid and so it, it was kind of good insight of how grab thrived through this tough times and some of the insights he gave us was compared to those competitors as they said that how their systems and operations were thriving through this time before even covid started they had their you know systems and their apps you know optimized and in, in good conditions which allowed them to easily maneuver their platform into more of grab food than than transportations instead of like other competitors that were in this uh, business so this really helped uh, grab you know kind of transition into these this new market as they already set up their operations and systems in place yeah so um after after talking about covid we tried to go more general about Grab's corporate culture. So we asked Mr. Tan what type of corporate culture he, he put in place into Grab. And he, he talked about several types of mentalities that were needed for him to be able to implement such kind of corporate culture. So he, he talked about how his mentality was servant before leader, I believe is what he said. And it was essentially meaning being able to put his employees first and being able to acknowledge his employees are what helped run Grab. And although he may be a leader, he needs to acknowledge their needs, their wants, and acknowledge their importance in, in supporting Grab. Yeah, and there's like something really interesting that stood out to me was how they have this this thing called um, the 360 colleague feedback, where every month they conduct this feedback, where colleagues are able to be fully transparent and express their thoughts on how Anthony Tan can become a better leader or CEO. And they usually provide improvements on what he can do, as well as different things he's doing great as a CEO and he likes this as it puts him in a position where he's fully vulnerable and susceptible to feedback where you know he can improve as a CEO and just become a better leader in general 
And also, what I found really interesting in this was that he also brings this 360 feedback into his household where his family, his wife, his kids sit down at the dinner table and, you know, they talk about their day and what mistakes they made throughout the day. And then he goes into how they could improve and what things they also did well throughout the day. So this this was pretty interesting to me where they sit down and, you know, do this feedback. Yeah, it was very interesting to see that he was able to take this corporate culture in the in the company and also implemented back at home and going back to you know anthony tan and the corporate culture within grab he talked about his previous mentality and how he had to change that when becoming a leader of a company and he talked about how he used to be very pompous uh, and how a little bit about how he was a hardcore atheist and how he had to change this mentality and be more humble as he learned that all successful people are humble and talking about all these values Grab has a has essentially a motto or values that they put in, which is called 4HDNA. Uh, and it's basically these four key values that they value the most in Grab and they, that they expect all employees to, to hold within their person. Humility, hunger, which essentially is like knowing that life is tough and knowing that you have to grind it out, take the pain and just work harder than others to achieve your goals. Honor, being able to own up to your own mistakes and be able to be honest with partners and each other. And an example that, that Anthony gave was um, how there's this $1 million deal that uh, they had to reject since, you know, they couldn't keep up or fully meet the needs of the company that they were dealing with. And so through this uh, example, it shows how honored they are to their work and how, you know, transparent they are and how, I guess, ethical they are as a company. And, you know, $1 million is a is a big amount of cash. $100 million is a, is a big amount of cash. And the fact that they knew they couldn't meet the needs of the company shows that they like to honor their status. And how they're willing to own up to their mistakes. And then the final H is heart. Essentially caring for the people that they work with, caring for their employees, caring for the community that they're, that they're around. And, and it, one thing that, that really stuck with me when we're talking about this question was how serious Mr. Tan was. He was talking about how in the company, they value this corporate culture very seriously, and they've actually fired people that don't follow or, or believe in this corporate culture, which which was really put corporate culture into perspective because I felt like, who really cares about yeah. corporate culture, right? I mean, you've done some internships before. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, like in those internships at the start, they, when, they, when, I, when they're taking me through the onboarding process, they're always talking to me about this, this corporate culture. And I'm just thinking, okay, yeah, just don't be a jerk to people, right? Like corporate culture is not that important. And like, what is corporate? Like corporate culture is definitely not that big of a part of the company, but I don't know. Yeah, I just thought it was like, okay, yeah, just don't, just, yeah, be nice to everyone. So, I, but I realized that it was actually a way that they build a community within the cult within the company and they're able to you know create trust create personal connections with each other and just work as a more cohesive and bonded unit and this took us to ask mr tan more about his characteristics so we asked him about how he describes his own leadership style as well as what attributes he thinks makes a, a great CEO and a leader. Which brings us back to the point that we made about the four HDNAs was humility. He thinks that humility is a big part of being a good CEO as well as having that street fighter mentality where you gotta fight and never give up on your dreams and goals. And how like maybe in a street fight, sometimes you may meet a, someone bigger than you. In this case, a company that is doing better than you or a company that is bigger than you. However, sometimes you just got to own up to the challenge and 
you know, fight through this and never give up and pursue the art of excellence and basically bring your company forward and challenge these bigger companies to make your company great. So having this street fighter mentality, Anthony Tan believes that, you know, this is what gets your company into places of success. Yeah, and he also brought up this part about breaking your back, essentially, like like putting everything you have into making sure the company is successful, going through the pain, because you know that if you, if you put everything into it, you, you will be able to uh, to achieve your goal, at least to the best of your potential, if you put everything into it, if you're willing to take on the challenges, if you're willing to, to go through the pain. And this brings us um, to our concluding question that we ask to all our guests and all the people that we interview, which is what advice would you, Mr. Anthony Tan, give to young people who are interested in pursuing a career in business slash starting their own company? One interesting fact that stood out to me when he was talking about this was how he acts like there's no safety net. This is kind of true as when he was proposing his idea to his parents, they didn't really support him or believe in this idea that this grab thing was going to work. So this allowed him to have the sense of having a sense of no safety net, even though he's rich. He acted like there's no safety net so that he could put everything and all his effort into the company to make sure it worked and it wouldn't fail. Yeah, so it was this ride or die kind of do or die mentality that was able to help him propel into the business world and make him essentially more successful because it was like felt that if he wasn't able to be successful, it, he would essentially be a failure and lose everything. Obviously, that was might not be the case, but having that mentality made it made it so much more meaningful when he made these deals when he made these op- when he created the opportunities or took advantage of these opportunities and it just made every created passion with him as a leader and he also went into talking about and when starting up a company you shouldn't just focus on making a company to just make money as like he mentioned that this was a very dangerous plan or mindset going into uh, the field of business however you should focus on a issue that you would be tackling and more towards your own passion and beliefs instead of just making a company just for the money. Yeah, so this idea of building the cart before the horse, which is which is what he said, uh, which is the idea of like creating a foundation, creating a passion for what you're doing first, creating a, a reason, a why for why for what you're doing, and then and then maybe focusing on the other aspects of making money, but first having that initial passion and problem that you want to solve. You basically make a, I guess, solid foundation before moving on into actually launching the business Uh, yeah so it was it was he's this is how he concluded the interview essentially and i'll actually tell you he also ended it by coming back to the streeter street fight mentality about accepting that life will get harder if you think something will be hard 10 times out of 10 it'll be much harder than you've expected it'll be it'll be 10 times harder and just accepting that and just going into it without any any sort of thought like oh i'm i'm not i'm not gonna back out i'm gonna Any keep mental doing barriers basically yeah, yeah no mental no mental barriers and just going into it thinking yep it's gonna be hard it might even be harder than expected but i'm still gonna put everything i have into into making sure that this is successful and that i come out on top and this is where we concluded our interview and it was quite a very it's very motivational point to end off on as it left us filled with passion in the sense that it made us think wow we should really be putting a hundred percent effort into our, our passion project, which is this podcast, and ensuring that every episode showcases 100% of our abilities and, and shows the best of our knowledge, and ensuring that we provide a top-notch standard in every one of our episodes. This was also like our first time doing this type of interview in real life, so it was a very meaningful experience when seeing Mr. Tan's passion when talking about his hardships and successes that he faced. Also, 
it was just an overall fun experience. Like Z said, it was our first time actually interviewing someone in real life because most of our, all our episodes are actually just over Zoom. So it was very fun to actually go to the office, meet the person, meet the guests in real life, meet the CEO in real life, actually have genuine human interaction with them. So it was just a very cool and, and uh, um, memorable experience that, that we'll never forget. Yeah. Which brings us to the end of today's episode. I hope you guys liked it. If you have any feedback about today's type of podcast or styled podcast, please let us know. Anyway, see you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye. I didn't cut you off. I, I, you started laughing and then I couldn't stay safe. <laughs> He's not under the dinner table. <laughs>